Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Romans 13. Romans 13, it's a pretty, pretty big deal in this day and age that we live in. It's always been a big deal, but it's become a big issue. A lot of people are questioning the validity of Romans 13, and you're going to understand why. Depending on where you you know live in the world, sometimes it's more intense. Uh, but you remember, the word of our Lord, it endures. It endures throughout the ages. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The Lord says, I never change. And here in Romans 13, we're going to look at government, worldly government. And understand, you know, too, you know, because we're living in these times, I teach from the United States, you know, and I place very, very heavy, uh, um, uh, I admire the Constitution of the United States. Um, I admire, I like my rights as a United States citizen. Uh, but then at the same time, I also understand that uh, this world is not our home. And I say that, you know, sometimes that kind of uh, rubs people the wrong way to hear me say that and hear me speak like that. But understand, our citizenship is not even in this world. We're just passing by. We're just passing through. That's it. And this life that we live on this earth, it's just a vapor. Only a vapor. That's it. And look what happens here in Romans 13. Another, you know, something else to understand is when Paul wrote this, you know, the cost of being a Christian in Rome, it was getting heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. It could even be, you know, a matter of life and death. That's when Paul was writing this letter. In the span of about a decade, when the church received this letter, in a span of about a decade, it got really hard to be a Christian. I shouldn't say hard, but the cost of being a Christian intensified in the span of about 10 years. Does that mean that this letter was uh, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit? Does this mean that this letter was uh, just, you know, for a year only? Is it just like a, a six-month letter? Maybe two years max because everything was intensifying in Rome? No way. Don't forget that the church in Rome was undergoing some major persecutions. And Paul even wrote about this. In uh, chapter 8, verse 35, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He straight up asked the question, Who? Who? And he says in verse 38, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Never forget that, beloved Christian. Never, ever, ever forget that. Because, you know, I teach from America. And I live in America. And, you know, the large majority of listeners, I have no idea where you are. I have no idea your situation, your station in life. But I do know that there's a persecuted church today. Not so much in the Western world. But in other countries, I know that there's a persecuted church. Hardcore things. And what I'm finding out now, you know, I used to follow a lot of, you know, in the, in the blogosphere, in different social media 
uh, uh, platforms and other platforms on, you know, message boards on certain different, you know, online means. I would follow certain ministries that help the persecuted church. And what I'm finding now, it's very interesting, is that a lot of these ministries have to be very, very secret. They can't say locales anymore. Where like, you know, a year ago, two years ago, they would say, maybe even six months ago, eight months ago, they would say there's this church in this region of Vietnam. There's this church in this region of North Korea. And now these missionaries are coming back into a safe area. They go out into what's very dangerous and then they come back to where it's safe and then they write their blogs, they give their reports, hey, pray for the persecuted church because this is what's happening. You know, if you want to uh, support financially, send your funds over here. Do this very discreetly. And they're, they're being less informative because this spirit of the Antichrist, you know, this, this evil is on the rise. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. But these government agencies, they monitor. They monitor. They look at, they pretend to be Christians even. They pretend to be Christians, say, oh yeah, I'm born again, I'm born again. And you know, where did we fellowship at? And then, you know, they say, oh yeah, you know, cool, we got another brother and sister in Christ. You know, come over here, we fellowship here in this hidden house. It's a house, and yeah, it looks like a house, but inside in the inner chambers, we have a little church. You know, and we can't sing, no worshiping, because everything's done in secret. And we meet here, we meet here at this time. You know, we're going to have a little church fellowship right now. And then, you know, let's meet back here in a couple days at this time. Unbeknownst to the church, unsuspecting of them, what happens? This person that they brought in who said they, was a, said they were a Christian, they're a spy for the government. The oppressive government, whatever regime in whatever region, they're a spy. And so they come to church, they say, wow, you know, it's on this day, we're going to have church, it's very secret, we're going to worship the Lord, and then boom, everybody's arrested. Everybody's arrested, the pastor's arrested, the pastor's beaten, the pastor's killed, the house is burnt down, everything destroyed. And so I'm finding that these ministries are being very, very, even more secretive than they were before. Still pray for them. But you're starting to see across the globe more tyrannical governments. I mean, it's it, we've had tyrannical governments before in the past. I mean, history proves, but it's going to get so much worse in the last days. It's going to intensify worse and worse and worse. All the while, an unsuspecting populace, not in the church, but an unsuspecting world, just as in the days of Noah, they're going to be giving, eating and drinking and giving in marriage. Everything's fine. Everything's honky-dory. Do not hurt the oil or the wine. You see, all these things are prophesied and it will be in the name of peace. It's going to be a false peace. Oh yeah, we're on board with this new government system. We're on board with this because look, it's peace. No more wars, no more wars. Look, there's peace in the Middle East. What you Christians, you're not on board with this. What you call this guy, the Antichrist. He's a man of peace. How dare you? Let's throw you into prison. You're so intolerant. That's what it's going to be like in the last days. Government is going to get worse and worse and worse. But even still, knowing this, and even still, knowing the government in Rome, you know, 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years, what the early church, our early brothers and sisters had to endure, what they had to go through, 
You know, I'll read it again from chapter 8. I'll read it again. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And in verse 35, it said, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall these things? And it was major. It was major in the church in Rome. It was major. You know, they would, you know, put a, a sword to your neck. Who is Lord? You say Caesar is Lord, you get to live. Go home, be with your families. You say Jesus is Lord, you're dead. Or they would put you in the, they would take, arrest you, and they would take you to the games. Take you to, you know, perform in the Colosseum. Take you to kill you in the Colosseum for sport. Have you killed by bears? Have you killed by lions? By animals, by cheetahs? Stepped on by elephants? All to a cheering crowd. Sometimes they would take families. Groups of families. Separate the men. Separate the women. Do sexual things with the women. All on public display for everyone in the Colosseum to see. Christians are early sisters. Fully exposed, naked before the people. Being raped, ravished. And they make the, men's, the men watch. They make the husbands watch. And then they kill the women and then they release the lions for the men to be eaten. You see? Now you understand that, you read that, and then you say, okay. You read uh, 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 chapter 8, shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. That's the government in Rome. And it got worse and worse. History is not a pretty picture. History is ugly. It's not pretty at all. You know what's beautiful? Our future. You know why? Because of paradise. Paradise with Jesus Christ. That's what we look forward to. That's what I look forward to. That's what you can look forward to. If you're listening and you're in the persecuted church, or maybe you're listening and you have family in the persecuted church, I want you to know that we pray for you. You are heavy, heavy. The persecuted church is heavy on my heart because we're so spoiled here in Western culture. We're so spoiled. And we pray for you. But understand that we're just passing through. This place isn't our home. Now let's look at what's written here in Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Be submissive and obedient to the governing authorities is how this translates. Every soul. For there is no authority except God. Very interesting how this is written. No authority except from God. Remember Pontius Pilate when he's looking at Jesus Christ? He says, I have, the, I have the power to crucify you or free you. And Jesus Christ told him, you have no power. You have no power except that which is given to you by my Father in heaven. And Jesus Christ was obedient to the death. Look at what God has done through his obedience. Remember, even at the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was like, Father, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me, Father. Yet not my will. He says, thy will. Your will, Father. Look at what our Father has done. Because he loves you.
He loves his creation. What was death to Jesus Christ? What is death to you? Oh, death, where is your sting? I'll read. I'll read. I don't want to get ahead of myself because we're going to start the Corinthians pretty soon. But sometimes I get ahead of myself from time to time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? There is none. There is no sting of death. There is no victory in Hades. Why? Because in Christ, there's life. The resurrection. And praise be to the Lord. These are things that we can look forward to. Our death, my death, your death, whenever it is. Think of it like just a passageway. That's all it is. You're passing from, you know, life in this earth, life in your earth suit, to life in eternity in paradise. Nevertheless, it is written in Romans 13, let every verse 1, let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. The authorities that exist are arranged and ordained by God. You know, a little interesting observation I have is that I noticed that a lot of people of the Calvinistic leaning, a lot of people of the Reformed theory leaning, you know, they always say God is sovereign, God is sovereign, God is sovereign. And in no way, shape or form am I mocking his sovereignty because God is sovereign. As surely as he lives, he's sovereign. But whenever I talk to a Reformed theory person, oh yeah, God is sovereign, God is sovereign, God is sovereign. He ordains all things to come to pass. He ordains this, he ordains that. Okay, I understand. Since he ordains this, since he ordains the government of which you are under, why do you have such a beef with it? Why are you murmuring and complaining the most? You see? Just an interesting observation I have. Because like, wait a second, you know, he ordained all things to come to pass. He ordained this and I'm not mocking you. I'm not in any way, shape or form. Am I mocking him or his word? But since that's the case, why are you complaining the way you're complaining? You see? Oh, but I'm an American citizen. I have my rights. I have my rights. Yes, you have your rights. Just like Paul had his rights, except he denied his rights. No, 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 no. He he said he was a Roman citizen. Yeah, he did say he he pleaded to uh, to pleaded to Caesar. He appealed to Caesar. It's true, biblically true. But don't forget that that led to his arrest, which ultimately led to his beheading. Don't forget. Look at Jesus Christ Himself: denial of His rights, denial of His flesh. Paul, yeah, he uh, appealed to, to Caesar, but look at what it cost him, his freedom, his life. You see, look what happens here in verse two. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. This is resist to stand against what God has ordained and arranged. And whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist 
will bring judgment on themselves. I think it's very interesting that we see the word resist everywhere. You know, you see, you know, hashtag resist, hashtag resist, resist, resist. You know, when a certain person was in political office, you see from one side, resist, resist, resist. Now another person is going to be put into office. We'll see what happens. But, you know, there's all this debate. Oh, this is going to happen. This, well, you know, that's not for me to determine. That's not for me to determine. But now you have, the, you know, the other side of the spectrum. Resist, resist, resist. It's like, wow, what's happening here? Me personally, I call it a big setup. It's a big con job, a big setup for the church, for the Christian. Why? Because the Christian, the Bible-believing Christian, we are the only ones who can positively ID the Antichrist. We're the only ones because everybody else is going to buy in hook, line, and sinker. And Christians are the only ones who can identify the Antichrist. You say, oh, we're not going to be here. We're not going to be here. Pre-tribulation rapture. I believe in, you know, uh, a Left Behind series. Well, you know, if that's you, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, forgive me for saying it like that. But, you know, listen to our study about when is the rapture. You might have to scroll for a little bit, but it's called when is the rapture. You know, it's, it, it, we explain certain things. We look at the prophecy and I have to say, if you listen to that, you have to have your Bible open. You must have your Bible open because if you just listen without the Bible, then it's like, well, you know, I don't know what, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's right. But you know, it's very slow. It's very methodical. And you listen and then you understand. We look at the prophecies. We look at the time periods and something starts to emerge. A picture starts to emerge. But the Christian is the only one who can identify the Antichrist. Now, if you say, oh, yeah, we're not going to be here. We're going to be raptured. Okay, that's, I'm not going to argue. I, I won't argue. Then, you know, it's the tribulation saints that will be the ones that will be able to positively identi identify the Antichrist. Okay, in accordance with, you know, if, if that's your leaning. I'm not going to argue with you. It's not, now's, now's not the time to argue. You know, I, it, a lot of people, a lot of people in the church... Remember, it is prophesied the great falling away. The great falling away. You know what that is? It's to apostatize. It's a defection away from truth. It's, it's prophesied. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And this spirit of the Antichrist performing miracles by all kinds of lying wonders, he's already at work. He is already at work. But who are the ones who have a love of the truth and will not be subject to the judgment of strong delusion? Strong delusion is a judgment from the Lord. It's not to say that this person is unable, you know, doesn't understand the truth. It's that this person cannot understand, cannot come to the truth. Why? Because it's from the Lord. Why? Because it's no love of the truth. Strong delusion of the last days. And we already see it at work. There's a lot of crazy people in the world. A lot of crazy people in the world. And you know what? You look inside the church, and sometimes you see no difference. You look at the world, then you look at the church. 
You look at the world, you observe the world, you observe the church, and sometimes you see nothing different at all. Nothing different at all. And you know, this isn't an indictment against the church. It's a call to the church. It's a call to the Christian to repent and be right with the Lord. You read Revelation 2 and 3, what do you see? Repent, 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 repent. I only said it five times. Why? Because Smyrna and Philadelphia. That's why. You know, I love this about you. This I like, this I like, but this I have against you. You need to repent, the Lord says. Red letters, Revelation 2 and 3. Look what happens here. You see this resists. Resists in verse 2. Who, those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. This is uh, hitu in the in the Greek. It's it, it's one's it's a doing by one's own self. Remember, it's self-inflicted judgment. Self-inflicted. How many times do you hear me say Old Testament and New Testament? It's self-inflicted. Self-inflicted, and that's what happens here. He who uh, those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. It's self-inflicted. You say, I don't, want, I don't want, excuse me, you say, I don't want judgment on myself. I don't want to bring judgment on myself. So what does that mean? Don't resist. You say, wait a second, I'm, I have the, the Constitution. I have my rights as a U.S. citizen. I have my rights as whatever citizen. Okay, I understand. We're a government, you know, of, by, and for the people. Historically speaking, but what happens when culture becomes godless? What happens when culture becomes wicked, more wicked? What happens when godlessness and wickedness abounds and sin abounds? What happens? <clears throat> in a democracy, in a democracy, who are the representatives? You're going to have a wicked people who are going to vote in their person because we live in a democracy. People like to forget, oh, you know, we're a republic too. We're a republic, you know, a democracy within the confines of a republic. People don't like that part. But I digress. Lawlessness. Remember, lawlessness, spirit of antichrist. You say, what are you talking about? You're always bringing up the spirit of antichrist. Well, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 says, The coming of the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. You see, you have a people... Who will believe the lie. Why? Because they did not love the truth. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's what Paul says. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Read it. Very important for us to understand the times. Where are the sons of Issachar? You see? Let's go back to Romans 13. Romans 13. 
So you see this now in verse 2. It's like you see this resist. You see it everywhere. Resist, resist, resist. You have like this, you know, uh, 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 right-leaning person in political office. Oh, resist, resist, resist. A left-leaning person in political office. Then you see the right. Oh, resist, resist, resist. It's like, what's happening in the world? What's happening to our culture? It's like things are falling apart. And there's this saying, things aren't falling apart, things are falling into place. Because the Bible teaches us that perilous times are coming. The events of the last days, perilous times. And you know what? Perilous times are here. And so look what we see here in verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And you read this and it's like, wait a second, you know... I'll explain this. I'll say, so rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil because they still prosecute murders. You know, if somebody commits a crime, they're still going to prosecute the murderer. You know, if somebody commits an egregious crime, there's still a, 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 a process of the law. You know, where where things can, a person can be arrested, you know, and, you know, uh, innocent till proven guilty. We, we still have a system of government that functions. Now, it, it's a little defunct right now. In some ways, a lot of defunct. But it also rings true. What is happening? It begs the question, what is happening? Have we, are we entering the last days? I can make a strong case for it. Are we entering the last days? Me personally, I say yes. I say yes. Not just because what we see here in the United States, and I teach from the United States. You might be listening from Russia, China, I don't know. But look at the world. Look at what's happening in the world. Look at these, this peace that's coming into the Middle East. This so-called peace, we know that, biblically speaking, it's going to be a fake peace. You have all these nations that are forming these coalitions with Israel, these peace agreements, the Abraham Accords. And then on top of that, you have the United Nations, the European Union. They're saying, okay, it's time to restart, restart the Israel-Palestinian talks because we need long-lasting peace. And when you have, you read the prophecies in Daniel chapter 9. When you see these things happen, the Bible, the prophecy says the, the, the confirmation of the covenant, covenant, which in the Hebrew translates as a, uh, a reconfirming or a reaffirming of a covenant with many. So as we see this covenant grow, these Abraham Accords, we see it grow. We see more nations attached to this uh, Abraham, Abraham Accords. Will we see in the near future the confirmation of such accords or the reaffirming of such accords? Because when that happens, it could very well start the final seven years of world history. It can happen very soon. We're seeing the early stages. We're seeing the conglomeration, the, the convergence of all these prophetic events. Ethnos against ethnos. It's all over the world. The rise of certain factions which are anti-Christ and anti-Christian and anti-Jew. And not just anti-Jew and anti-Israel with the BDS movement. It's anti-Zion now, which goes a little bit deeper. 
anti-Zionist movement. Look at all the things that are happening uh, culturally across the globe in various locations. The Euphrates River is drying. You have uh, interfaith movement from, you know, the, 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 the Pope is doing this grand interfaith movement. This interreligious dialogue. It's, it's, it's not good what lies in our future, in our near future, long-term future. Beautiful. It's like telling a pregnant woman, okay, you know, your water's going to break and then it's going to be a little bit painful. And then it's going to be really painful. Well, I think, you know, so I've heard. And then, you know, you're going to be in bliss, you know, so it's like that. So we're going to have this show. Understand that our life is just a vapor. And so you read this, it's like in verse 3, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Because how government is supposed to work. I mean, we have a government today where, you know, somebody could commit a murder. You call the police, say, hey, this guy killed this other guy. And then the cops come, they make the arrest, and, you know, the court system, all these things. Now, the court, you know, I'm not a politician, so I'm not going to, you know, talk about the court system. But, you know, that's kind of a mess, too. And then all of a sudden, this guy goes to prison. Because he murdered somebody. And there's corruption. There, I, I understand there's corruption. But for the most part, we have a system of government where, you know, you're, you have a burglar, you can call the police, and boom, they're here. But things are changing. Things are changing. He says, do you want to be unafraid or unalarmed of the authority? Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. So it's it's an honorable thing to respect authority and to do good. You know, it's to serve our purpose. It's to serve the, the greater good, culturally speaking, in, in the sense of a community and where we live. But then at the same time, I mean, you're hearing me say this and you're like, come on, you know, look, at you know, what do you expect me to believe? You know, I have eyes. I see the news. I see what's happening. Yes, I completely understand. Corruption abounds. Chaos abounds. Disorder abounds. I completely understand and I completely agree. But what is the response of the Christian? What is the response of the Christian? He continues here in verse 4. For he is God's minister to you for good. Like, wait a second, I've heard it all. You're telling me that as a Christian, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. Yes, I love him. Yes, I fear the Lord. Everything's fine and dandy. And I was with you right until you started to teach in chapter 13 of Romans. Because I'm a constitutionalist. You know, I love this country. And I was, you know, if you're listening in China, Russia, you know, I'm speaking as an American citizen. But if you're an American citizen, you're listening and you're like, wait a second, you're telling me I have to submit to the governing authorities? I have to subject myself and be obedient to the governing authorities? You're telling me that if I resist, I bring judgment on myself? Well, let me tell you something, my friend, my beloved, beloved friend. I'm just a messenger. I'm reading it from the word of God. 
But wait a second, you're telling me, it says that God is a minister to you for good. You're telling me that what I see on the streets, what I see when, you know, I call the cops and they don't even come. I call the cops and they don't do this or, you know, I call the, or, you know, I don't call the cops or, you know, the cops are picking on me for no big deal, no, no reason. You're telling me that, you know, that, that they're a minister, they're God's minister for good? Well, let's hit the rewind button really quick. Go back 50 years ago. Look at government. I'm not to say that there wasn't corruption then, but less corruption than today. Look at the police 50 years ago. Look at the government 50 years ago. Now, you might be in a foreign country. I say foreign country, but, you know, because I, as an American, you know, but you might be in your country, which is not America. And you're like, man, 50 years ago, you know, they were killing us in the streets. 50 years ago, there was like, you know, riots in the streets, depending on where you live. Does that mean I should submit myself to that government? Does that mean I submit this myself to that government? But you look at 50 years ago and you make a comparison to today, to right now, to what we see. What is happening? You see the corruption. You say, wait a second, 50 years ago, you know, we had, you, you might be in another country where it's like 50 years ago, it was terrible. We got it pretty good over here. We're not getting killed in the streets anymore. Does that mean, does, does uh, chapter 13 apply to you only and not to me? Or, you know, did it apply to me 50 years ago and not to me now? What does it mean? What do we do? Well, let me read something. Let's turn to 2 Chronicle, uh, 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 Second, uh, 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 Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Very famous verse. And I'm going to read it. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. You see, understand that it's righteousness that exalts a nation. I'm a patriot. I live in the United States. I love the United States. But then at the same time, understand that it is righteousness that exalts a nation. And the word of God says here, if my people, my people, who are called by my name, you know what that is? That's you and me. We need humility. And if we pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. You say, wait a second, is it, is it that easy? I don't have to do anything. I don't have to appeal to any politician. I don't have to vote this way, vote for this guy, vote for this guy. No, we humble ourselves before the Lord and we seek his face and we turn from our wicked ways. Yes, I say our wicked ways. Turn to Exodus really quick. 
Exodus chapter 5. And in Exodus chapter 5, verse 15. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants, Israel? Instead of crying out to God, they cry out to Pharaoh. Do you know what happened in Egypt? Don't forget that Egypt honored the Lord. Egypt honored the Lord through Joseph. Remember the ministry of Joseph? The obedience of Joseph unto the Lord? And how Egypt was saved by the hand of the Lord through Joseph, a type of Christ? And Egypt honored the Lord. They knew the Lord. They honored the Lord. Except in the course of time, the Lord became forgotten in the land of Egypt. And Joseph had the family. They brought them into Egypt. And the, the, the Jews started to grow. The camp of Israel started to grow. The Lord became forgotten in Egypt. And then all of a sudden, remember, the spirit of the Antichrist is always anti-Jew. Always anti-Jew. And so what happened when the Lord was forgotten? All of a sudden, the Jews are the bad guys. And you know what? Even in the camp of Israel, the Lord was forgotten. You say, whoa, what do you mean the Lord was forgotten? Well, we're going to start to see certain things when we look at these passages in Exodus. Number one, the first one here is in chapter 5, verse 15. That the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? Notice, they're crying out to Pharaoh and asking this question. And I understand why. I understand completely why. Because their taskmasters were very, I mean, heavy, heavy-handed taskmasters. And then they go to Pharaoh. Why? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of people today crying out to their politicians in wherever you live. I don't, you know, you might live in America, you might live in Europe, you might live in wherever, Australia, you might live in China, you might live in Russia. But people are seeking a man-made fix. They seek man for the fix. And they cry out to their politicians. And in a representative government, I understand. I get it. But where are, just like what we read, just like what we read in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, where are God's people who are called by His name? And where are we humbling ourselves and praying and seeking His face and turning from our wicked ways? Where is that happening? Where is our crying out to the Lord? Where is that? Going back to Exodus, not in chapter 5, but in chapter 6, we see something else. Look at verse 9. In obedience, Moses Chapter 6, verse 9, Moses is obedient unto the Lord. And Moses spoke something to them, to, the, to Israel. It says in verse 9, So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. You see, they did not heed the words of Moses who was speaking the words of the Lord. They didn't heed him. 
Understand, I get it. They were in anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. I get it. I understand. I completely understand. But you know what happens when, you know, we cry out to government officials? We cry out to government officials and then all of a sudden it becomes more heavy-handed. The oppression becomes more heavy-handed, more heavy-handed. You know what happens in that anguish? You know what happens in that anguish of spirit? All of a sudden, the risk, I'm not going to say like a blanket statement like this happens, but the risk is that we can become deaf and blind. That's the risk. Why? Because we look at the carnal and we don't look at the spiritual. We look at the world and we don't consider the heavenly. That's what can happen. Now in verse 9, what we just read, so Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Well, in verse 9, the promise of God was already given. The promise of God was already given. Look at verse 5, still in chapter 6. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. That's a beautiful promise. A beautiful, beautiful promise. Except because of this anguish anguish of spirit in verse 9 and cruel bondage, the people were blind. The people were deaf. They did not heed Moses. And that's the danger of being having a carnal response, a fleshly response to an oppressive government. It's a big problem. Where are the Christians? Where are the Christians? who are called by the name of the Lord, who will humble themselves, who are who will humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of the Lord and turn from our wicked ways. Yes, I say our wicked ways. You say, wait a second, we're Christians. Look at the church. Look at the condition of the church. Grave soaking, you hear me talk about grave soaking quite a bit because it's growing in popularity. And when you see it happen, it's going to come to you, man. You, you're going to find people who say, oh, yeah, I go to this church, Northern California. I listen. It's great. They have good music. Oh, do you know they do grave soaking too? They put the glitter in the, the beams of the ceiling. And when the signal is given, they drop this, the glitter and they call it the Holy Spirit. This is happening in the church. And they call it Christianity. Woe in the house of God. Don't forget that judgment comes first in the house of God. Where is the Christians? Where are the Christians? Where is the church? 
You know, we have a carnal response to a very spiritual. All these problems we see are highly, highly spiritual. When you read the prophecies in Ezekiel 38, not just in Ezekiel 38, but other passages, you see a picture of the spirit realm, which is like has oversight of countries, has oversight of nations and regions, Gog and Magog. It's highly, highly spiritual. But the Christian is blind. The Christian is becoming blind in these last days. The Christian is becoming deaf and blind in these last days. Why? Because we're trying to apply a carnal response, a carnal fix to something that is entirely spiritual. We need to be on our faces before the Lord. Praying. Seeking His face in humility. Interceding for our country. Whatever country you live in. You might live in China. You might live in Russia, Iran, you might live wherever. But I'm speaking to the Christian. We need to be on our faces before the Lord, making intercession for our loved ones, our communities, our neighbors. Because Satanists do that. Satanists do that. They pray for neighborhoods, for houses. Pray against them. They pray that for demonic attack on certain homes, in certain neighborhoods. That's what they do. And what is the Christian doing? Watching TV, getting fat and happy at home. You know, oh, you know, the, the government shut down, government shut down, so we don't have to go into church anymore. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to listen to a message. Yeah, I'll listen to a short one. You got a 30-minute one. What? You want me to listen? This was two hours long? What? No way. Two hours, 30 minutes? You want me to listen to that? No way. We're falling asleep, the church. At a time when we need not to fall asleep, we mustn't fall asleep. Not to suggest that it was okay 50 years ago. But when you understand the prophecies, when you see what's happening in the spirit realm, and remember, in the last days, Satan will get stronger and stronger. Why? Because he knows his time is short. He's going to be out on the attack. Him and his minions. It's going to be more palpable. It's going to be more evident. So when you see things falling apart, and you're like wondering like, what in the world? Why is this happening? Understand that the days are getting closer and closer and closer to that final showdown. God's people in the camp of, of Israel in Egypt, the promise was already given. The promise of the Lord was already given, except because of this oppression from Egypt. They were made blind, they were made deaf, and it took them time for the Lord to reveal himself and for them to realize, wow, the Lord is really here. The Lord is really our time. I mean, look at how Israel is not heeding Moses, and then look at our studies in Numbers on our Wednesday studies. You see, Israel, they're doing everything that Moses says. Not that Moses is, is God, but he's a servant in the house of God. Listen to our studies in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Moses as a servant in the house of God. You see, and the people were deaf. The people didn't understand what God was doing. The promise was already given, and the Lord was already at work. The Lord was already on the move. But the Lord made himself known. 
just as he makes himself known in the last days and just as he makes himself known today. And all these judgments befell, judgments befell Egypt. Judgment number one, judgment number two, judgment number three, judgment number four. All these forms of judgment, except there was light in Goshen. There was light with Israel in Goshen. And then all of a sudden, wrath came upon Egypt. Wrath came upon Egypt. Except Israel was not appointed to wrath. And they walked through the water on dry ground. They walked through the, through the firmament of the water on dry ground to those who have ears. You see? Not appointed to the wrath of God. But they were there with judgment and judgment and judgment and judgment and they weren't there for wrath. Very interesting. Let's go back to Romans. Romans 13 verse 4 for he is God's minister for you to you for good but if you do evil be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil you see so wait a second in times past you know you could read this and understand okay i get that you know like in you know 1920s the cops would give you a big thumping you know, you steal a, 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 a bag of candy, you go to the store, steal a bag of candy, that cop's going to give you a big thumping. You know, you rob a bank, you know, you rob a store, and that cop's going to catch you, a couple cops are going to catch you, they'll pull out their sticks, and they'll give you a good thumping. And so you read this, and you realize, like, wow, you know, this whoever's in government, you know, they're, they're God's minister for good, you get a good thumping from the cops, it's like, well, I'm not going to do that again. But now look, you have cops that are thumping for no reason. I mean, you know, you have some, you have some bad apples. I'm not going to get into political debate because, you know, sometimes certain things, it's like, wait a second, you know, you just, why don't you just listen to the cops? Why don't you just listen to the cops? The cop says, do this, just do it. You know, I've been pulled over before. I've been pulled over before, you know, and it's like, you know, they ask weird questions. It's like, okay, I'm just going to do what you say, copper. And then, you know, they find out certain things. We end up, you know, shooting the breeze a little bit, you know. And it's like, okay, yeah, you know, come to church. Invite them to church. Hey, come to church, you know. But it's a scary thing to approach a vehicle. To approach a vehicle, you don't know, you know, tinted windows. You have no idea what's going to, what's gonna, what you're walking up to a vehicle. You have no idea if there's a shotgun pointing at your head. So I understand both sides. I understand the posture of the cops. I understand the posture of certain individuals, certain factions. But those, those factions, there's still corruption in those factions. And so you look at the whole situation as a, at large and it's like, what in the world is happening? What kind of mess are we in? I'm not a politician. I, I'm not, you know, this problem is solved spiritually. It's solved in the hearts. It's solved in the minds. But how will people know without a preacher? How will people know? How can you expect the gifts, the fruit of the Holy Spirit 
to a people who do not know on both sides. You know, the cops and the robbers, you know. You say, hey, is the guy not a robber? Okay, the cops and this guy. I say cops and robbers because I used to play cops and robbers when I was a kid. This side and this side. Part A, part B. You know, side A, side B. Side one, side two. How can you expect the fruit of the Spirit in people who don't even know? And if they don't know, how can you expect them to know unless others are sent? Who are the messengers? Where are the beautiful feet? Just like a type of Moses. Taken out of Egypt and then the Lord sent him back to Egypt. You know, Moses, you're my servant. I have a job for you. You see, you have these conversations with atheists. You have these conversations with, you know, cops, law enforcement. You have these conversations with, you know, uh, 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 certain minority groups. You have these conversations with them. And I've engaged with these in these conversations before. And valid arguments on both sides. That completely valid arguments. I understand this. I understand that. But the problem cannot be solved with a carnal band-aid. It's in the heart. They need Jesus Christ. They need the Lord. He's the only one that can fix any problem. He's the only one that can bring calm to a heart. Peace into a heart. Peace into a life. The Prince of Peace. You cannot have peace without the Prince of Peace. And even the Prince of Peace said, Do not think that I came to bring peace. I came to divide. Why? Because the first time, the wheat and the tares have to grow together. The second time, peace. Real peace. Not the false peace of the Antichrist. Real peace. Where are God's people? Praying for our communities. Praying for our cities. Praying for our nation. Praying for our leaders. I don't, you know, there's a lot of politicians that I don't like. I don't agree with at all. But where is the church praying for these individuals? You see? Yeah, we're going to fight. Christians, we're going to fight. But we take the fight to our knees. And we pray for our neighbors. For the schools. You know, all these teachers, perverted teachers, teaching sexual things to kids. Little kids. You know, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old. Them, teaching them sex ed. And their form of sex education is like sickening stuff. It's like, you know, monstrous sex ed. You know, it's insane. And yeah, we can fight the battle carnally. And I'm not saying, you know, you know, you know, not to fight. I mean, we have rights, you know, as citizens. I'm not saying don't fight. But don't forget the fight on our knees as well. Don't forget that fight as well. Because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. There is power in his name. And Satan knows it. The demons, they know it. The ones who have influence on others, they know it. But you can't just use the name of Jesus as like, you know, like a genie in a bottle. You have to live. You have to live the life. 
You have to walk the walk and talk the talk. You have to be a Christian. New wineskin. With new wine. Remember? Paul, Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who are you? That's what the demon told to the sons of Siva. On our study in the book of Acts. Who tried to use the name of Jesus Christ. And it didn't work for them. Why? There was no power. People say, oh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the moving of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. That was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. Really? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And you're going to say that that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today? Garbage. That's crazy town. And so look what happens here. And so, you read these passages. You say in, in verse 4, for uh, he is God's minister and an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And you say, wait a second. This is not what I see in my government. This is not what I see in my local government, in my state government, in the federal government. This is not what I see. And I speak from America. But if you're in Europe, you know, this is what I, what I see in our uh, president, our prime minister. This is not what I see in, you know, whatever, our king, where, you know, you might be in a Middle Eastern country. This is not what I see in our king. Also understand the times. That there's going to be a time when good is called evil and evil is called good. That time will come. And you know what? The Bible says, woe, when that happens. Read Isaiah 5. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Woe, W-O-E. It's not good. But when you read Isaiah 5 and you see that, understand that God responds. God responds. Always. 100% of the time. Look at how he responded to Israel in Egypt. Look at how he responded. He made himself known. Look at how he responded to Lot. Look at how he responded to Jeremiah. Ezekiel. He makes himself known. But the people have forgotten. The world has forgotten, that's for sure. But what about the church? We have forgotten too. The church. What do I say? Do not forget. Remember, 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 remember. Bind these things on your heart. Bind it on your heart. Bind it in your mind, in your soul. Bind it in your heart. Because God will make himself known. Understand that the hand of the Lord is mighty. He is the Almighty. And understand that there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. This is part and parcel of spiritual warfare. Yes, we can take a, a defensive posture, which is fine. I'm completely fine with a defensive posture. Yeah, man, it's good. A defensive posture. The shield. Using the shield. But at what point will the Christian go on the offense? And have a shield in one hand, move it to the side, and wield the sword. When will that happen? And what does that look like? 
It's not carnal. It's not beating up people. It's not killing people. You know, it's not like, oh, you're against me. Boom, I'm going to blow you away. Oh, you're against me. Boom, I'm going to stab you. And that's what you see in the church. I've heard Christians speak such ways. They want like, okay, we're going to go to war. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Trying to apply a carnal fix. Yes, it's a problem. A valid problem. I understand it. It's a valid problem. You know, wayward government. A government that is heavy-handed, but they're trying to apply a carnal solution to something that is entirely spiritual. Understand the times. The last days, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Highly oppressive to the point where the Antichrist will kill Jews and then the Lord will stave that a little bit, and you know, not a little bit, but the, the, a form of protection. And then the focus is going to come against the church, saints, and he will prevail against the saints, killing Christians. And the world will rejoice. Why? Because we're intolerant, so-called intolerant. We're, we're the oppressors. The Christian is the oppressor. You see? That's the last days. The word of God teaches us these things. The word of God prepares us of these things. Troublesome times will come and troublesome times are here and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. More perilous. And so he says this in verse 5, Therefore, you must be subject. You must be subject or submissive, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. You remember Paul, when he was arrested, and he was, I mean, he was arrested multiple times, but when he was arrested before he was led into Rome, but when he was arrested, when he was with Agrippa and Festus, and in that whole time, all those chapters, we see how he would, yes, Paul was submissive, uh, submitted to Jesus Christ. And then he was also in submission to government, both in submission to Jesus and also in submission to government. And through it, he had a clear conscience. He even says in Acts 23 verse one, that he has a clear conscience, a clear conscience because he's obedient and submissive to Jesus Christ. And in so doing, he's also submission to government. He didn't fight. He didn't run away. He didn't try to beat up his uh, or the, the, his, the guards that were, you know, around his cell. He didn't try to make a, a run for it. Beat him up, you know, take their sword, stab him and make a run for it. Jailbreak. No, submitted to Jesus Christ and also submitted to government. Just like Jesus Christ, our Lord himself in submission to the father. And also led like a sheep to the slaughter. You see? Obedience. All unto the Lord. Just like the church. I'll read Romans 8 again. Who shall, Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. You see? And I'm not trying to say, you know, we're going to run to our death. But death is going to come knocking. 
It's appointed for man once to die and then judgment. One in every one person will die. 100% of the population will die. Death's going to come knocking on your door. Who knows when it's going to come, but it will come. But, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is thy victory? And beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. We forget that. It's, I understand it. You know, I, sometimes I have to be careful how I speak because I don't want to glamorize death. I mean, <laughs> I have to be very careful how I speak because I long for the day. I long for my last breath. I'll just tell you point blank. I long for that day. I don't care. However, however it comes in whatever shape, form, whatever fashion, it's something that I look forward to. I understand that, you know, the Lord knows the number of my days and, you know, I'm going to be in his will. I'm going to walk in his will. I'm going to walk in obedience to him, whatever he wants from me. But at the same time, I look forward to paradise. Oneness with him. Oneness with him now in spirit, but oneness with him in body. One day. And I long for that. But I have to be very careful how I speak because not everybody thinks this way. And I don't want to, you know, be, say like, hey, you know, you have to think this way. You have to think this way. I desire you to. But I understand that there's things in this world that, you know, People love their families. People want to do this. People want to do that. I understand it. It took me a while to get to where I am today. But once I started to fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord, then I started to think a little different. A lot different in some ways. And I'm not trying to say that you don't love the Lord. If that's not you, I don't understand. You don't love the Lord. Just don't forget that it's appointed for man wants to die. And then judgment. I hate tyrannical government. I hate it with a passion. Especially when I read the history books, you know, about war. <laughs> I'm not afraid of war. And I have to be very careful as a Christian because I'm not afraid of combat. I meant to a certain degree, I meant you're kind of foolish if you're not, but what when you're tasked, when you're equipped, when you're trained, you know, I, I'm not how I was when I was younger in my younger days. But I have to be very careful because, you know, because I have, I look forward to dying. It's like, okay, you know, like I have to be very careful. Just in my own walk, I have to be careful. But does that change the word of God? No way. I, I hate tyrannical government. Does that mean I can go out and start a civil war? No way. But I can start a different war. I can get on my knees and start a different war, engage in a different war. And pray and seek the face of the Lord and humble myself. And repent and seek the face of the Lord. And ask him to heal our land. That's what I can do. And you know what? You can do it too. You say, oh, that's too weak. I'm not down with that. I'm not going to do that. That's too weak. You're so weak. I know. 
I have I have no qualms about it, you know. I'm weak. But in my weakness, the Lord is made strong. And you know what? In your weakness, the Lord is made strong. A lot of people are growing anti-government in these days. And I get it. I understand it. And I agree with it. But also understand that this form of anti-government, it can get to a point where it becomes dangerous for the Christian. Why? Because we resist the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment upon themselves. Understand what is happening. Understand the signs of the times and what is happening as we enter the last days, as we further enter the last days. It's no joke. It's going to be so bad that the Bible says, Jesus Christ says, red letters, says that no flesh will be saved. That's how bad it's going to be. No flesh will be saved. But praise be to the Lord because he says, unless those days were shortened. Look what happens here in verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. You, I completely understand. You read this, you're like, what? God's ministers? I pay federal taxes, state taxes, sales tax. I pay, you know, my, you live in a crazy state where it's like you're paying like insane tax, over 60% taxation. They say you make a lot of money and you live in a certain area. You have over 60% taxation. And you're telling me that they're God's ministers? Well, let me ask you a question. Government. Does their disobedience validate your disobedience? That's a hardcore question. You remember our study in, in Numbers? How you see the leaders of Israel? They're the ones that are greasing the skids, so to speak, for the next generation, for the people. They're the ones, the leaders. Now you see this beautiful picture of like, wow, this is a nice form of government. Don't forget that's the law, though. <laughs> but you see this picture of like, wow, these leaders, they're helping the people. They're helping the next generation. That's a beautiful picture of sacrificial leadership. But then at the same time, I'll ask it again. Does the disobedience of our governing authorities, does their disobedience unto the Lord, does that validate your disobedience? Do you think God doesn't see what's happening? He knows exactly what's happening. These things have to come to pass. These things will come to pass. You know what also will come to pass? The great falling away. Remember, the last day's church is either fake or false, or it's apostate, or it's true. Perilous times. Never let anybody's disobedience Validate your own disobedience. No, you stay obedient regardless of another person, regardless of government. You know, kind of like wives, you know, wives submit to your husbands, which is beautiful. It's good. But submit, submit to your husbands when they're in submission to Jesus Christ. 
When husband goes off into crazy town, you stay obedient to Jesus Christ. Your husband's crazy. You see? Same thing with government. Yes, we're going to be obedient to government in obedience to the Lord. And then what happens when government goes off into crazy town? We're going to stay obedient to Jesus Christ. And what does that look like? What does his word say? Remember, this church in Rome, what they experienced, what they went through, how things were amping up and gearing up for major persecution. It was already, there was already persecution. But it was getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Does that mean that Romans 13 didn't apply? Does that mean that somebody could take the parchment paper that Romans 13 was written in? Somebody could take the parchment paper and just throw it away? Because Rome was oppressive. No. Just like Jesus Christ, a, a lamb led to the slaughter. Paul says, a sheep led to the slaughter. The church, a Christian. And in the last days, it's going to be the same way. And I'm not saying just, you know, walk to your death. But you're dead already in Christ. You're a dead man walking. You're a dead woman walking in Christ. Dead to the law for sure. Alive in Christ and crucified with Christ. Are you not dead already? If you are not dead already, get yourself to a point of being dead already. Why? Because the last days are no joke. Perilous times. And it's going to be so bad that no flesh will be saved. Unless those days were shortened. And so, you have to understand what's happening. You have to understand the proper dispensation. You must understand the prophecies. Because, you know, people who don't understand the prophecies, they say, oh yeah, you know, it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. You know, but when you see this oppressive government, not just in the United States, and you might be laughing like, well, you, got it. you guys got it good. You know, I'm in North Korea. You guys got it. It's a piece of cake over there. Very interesting, you know, when you, when you see what, I mean, per capita, the, you know, in Iran right now, in Iran, there is the most persecution in Iran. It's one of the, the most heavy persecution in the world right now for the church, for Christians. A lot of underground churches. Churches that meet in secret, you know, certain activities are illegal. And so the churches, they meet in secret. Very, very secretive. People's homes, the home church. Me personally, I think the home fellowships, that's the model of the last day's church. I think the big church buildings, the big auditoriums, those are... I mean, financially speaking, I mean, nobody's going to church anymore. Nor, nobody's tithing. Nobody's doing their offerings anymore. So a lot of these churches are shutting down. And you have pastors, because they serve mammon or their hirelings, they're starting to water down their message. Instead of, you know, teaching the Bible, they start to do all these things. I want to be friends with this, make these coalitions and form with these people and group with these people. Why? So they can appease the masses and please the people instead of pleasing God. 
Oh yeah, by the way, you know, tithe and do your offering because I got to afford my mortgage. I got to pay my mortgage. We have church bills. We got to pay for this big building. We got to pay for this, you know, $200,000 salary. We got to pay for this, pay for that. Because nobody's giving, you're starting to see. It's like these churches are shutting down. In one degree, it breaks my heart. But not that these churches are shutting down. It breaks my heart that prior to that, you hit the rewind button. It breaks my heart that there's the departure of sound doctrine. That's what breaks my heart. For the ones that teach sound doctrine, I pray for them. Because, you know, pray for pastors. Pray for pastors because major decisions have to be made. Major, major decisions have to be made. Shutting down operations in one area. Opening up a different model, a different model, a church model. Fellowship model. So that the word of the Lord can go forth. And if the church has to enter a, an underground model in America. You know, I speak from America and you're like, wow, he's talking about the church going underground. Yes, I'm talking about the church going underground. Meeting in secret. You know, it's against the law. It's against the law. You know, no Christians should, should meet like this. But, you know, meeting in, a, you know, under a tree. You know, meeting in, you know, discreetly. You know, having like storefronts. And in the back room, there's a little fellowship there. Being in homes, no singing. You can't park near. You have to park far away and walk in and walk in at like segregated times. So no neighbors won't suspect that there's a church there. These are things, the underground church model, how it's being conducted in China, North Korea, uh, Vietnam, Russia, Arab countries, how all over the world, the persecuted church, they still meet, but they meet in secret. Because it's illegal to be a Christian. It's illegal to, to, to have fellowships, church fellowships, non-government sanctioned churches. And so they meet in, in secret. And is this underground model, is it going to be something that we partake of here in the United States? I don't, I don't think it's far away. Depending on what the, you know, the, the presidency looks like. I don't think it's very far away. Because you have a very oppressive side of government. You know, left and right, it's, it's, they have forms of oppression. But one more so. You see? The whole world is going to be begging for this man of peace. The whole world is going to be begging for this man of peace. You look at the, you know, the uh, diseases that were spreading in the, uh, you know, uh, 1915, 1918. You look at the, the Spanish flu, all these things. And when they had the vaccine, they got this vaccine. Everybody it, it, it kind of dissipated, went away. And what do you see? The Roaring Twenties. What was involved with the Roaring Twenties? A lot of sex, drugs, alcohol, the whole nine yards. People making up for lost time, so to speak. It's going to be no different. Maybe even worse. Good old roaring 20s. You see? Very interesting these days in which we live. Let's continue our study here. In verse 7. Render therefore to all their due. 
Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. You hear me say, you know, like the White House, you know. If I was invited to the White House and there was a, a president that I don't agree with politically, maybe a president that I really, really didn't agree with, I would still go. Invitation to the White House. We want your opinion on this or we just want to, you know, give you an award for this or, you know, whatever reason. Hopefully it's not bad. You know, we want we want, we want you to come visit the White House. You're summoned to visit to meet the president in the Oval Office. Well, if it's a president that I don't like, maybe a president who loves abortion. A president who supports this, yes, I would have major disagreement with him. But I would still go in respect of the office, respect of his authority. In respect of the office, I would still go. And give him the gospel too. Tell him about Jesus Christ. But as I said a couple weeks ago, I'm not going to go picking out curtains with the guy. No, I'm going to go, respect the office, go, say my peace, you know, give the good news. You know, maybe he accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord. Maybe. Being a fisherman. Being a wise fisherman. I don't say that boastfully. But are we not to be fishermen? Are we not to be fisherwomen? You see? In verse 8. Oh, no one anything. I love this so much. <laughs> Owe no one anything. It translates as man, woman, or thing. Owe no one anything. You know, it's so interesting to see people, you know, oh, I'm amassing this, I'm amassing that, you know, I'm amassing money, etc. Whatever it is, I'm amassing this. But don't forget, you know, if somebody is giving you something, whether it be money, whether it be a thing, whether no matter what, Nine times out of ten, maybe I'll say 95% of the time, there's strings attached. Strings attached. You have obligations. You know, if you ever like, you know, somebody gives you something and you're like, oh, thank you. And, you know, there's strings attached, you know, a week later. Hey, you know, uh, I gave that to you. So, you know, you you owe me this. You're obligated to... Uh, uh, to see me, you know, or you get a phone call. Hey, this guy gave you that. So now you're obliged to, you know, go visit with this guy or do this with that guy or help him in this manner. You see, there's strings attached. When you're in debt, you, there's strings attached to a bank. But what about when, you know, you're in debt to another person who has given you something? A lot of people think, oh, yeah, cool. Give me this. I'll take this. Yeah, give me this. I'll take that. Yeah, give me this. Yeah, you want to give me this? Fine, I'll take this. And they amass all this stuff without realizing their strings attached. Especially for families. Especially for families. You know, it's very important. Like, you know, a couple gets married and they get married. Everything's fine and dandy. And I understand, you know, wedding gifts. Wedding gifts is fine. My strong suggestion, if there's any, you know, people who are engaged that are listening, you're engaged and you're going to get married. And, you know, you have your wedding day, you get married and you have this table and you have all these wedding gifts there. That's it. That's my strong recommendation. Just the wedding gifts at the table. That's it. No more. 
Somebody wants to give you something. Oh, yeah, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you that. We're going to just say, no, thanks. It's okay. Keep it. It's okay. I don't want it. You know why? Because there's strings attached. There are strings attached to those things. And you owe in some way, shape, or form, you're in debt. There's no freedom. There's no freedom involved. You owe, I mean, oh yeah, you know, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you that. We're going to give you this, 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 that. Okay? Yeah, I'm going to take it. I'll take it. Cool, look, I got all this stuff. Cool, I got this, I that, I got that. But you don't see those strings attached. And finally, you get a phone call. Oh, uh, I thought, you know, because I gave you this, now you can do this for me. Now I got this. Now you can do... It just creates problems. So for the engaged person listening, you know, you you get married, praise the Lord. You know, hopefully you're marrying a husband who's a Christian. Hopefully a man, you're marrying a lady that's a Christian. If that's not the case, don't get married. That's my recommendation. Not my recommendation, but that's my urging. They're not a Christian, don't do it. They're a Christian, go ahead and do it. The marriage, the 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 uh, the, the wedding gifts, just that's it, you know. <laughs> because I can't tell you, there's problems all over the place. People get into all kinds of mess, you know. I don't mean to laugh, but I mean. <sighs> and, you know, it takes time, you know, we learn all these things. But then there's no freedom. There's no freedom, you know. It's like, you want freedom, you want flexibility, freedom of movement. You know, it's better to to walk away. You know, no strings attached. I was, I'll tell you something. I was presented with this business opportunity. This was years ago. I was presented with this business opportunity. Very, you know, somewhat lucrative, you know, six figures, almost seven figures. And I was presented with this business opportunity. And because of the strings attached, I walked away. I walked away because of the strings attached. I don't want those strings. I like freedom. And, you know, that's foolishness to the carnal. I've had Christians even tell me, that's the, so stupid. Why did you do that? Because I want freedom. And not freedom to, like, do whatever. Freedom to serve my Lord. That's what I want. And it was like six figures, borderline seven figures. By now, who knows, you know. It would have been more. And I walked away. Because I didn't like the yoking. I didn't like the strings attached. I didn't like any of it. So it was like, no, I'm out. Hit the eject button. Boom. I'm out of here. And I don't say that boastfully. You might hear them like, wow, he's boasting. No, I'm not boasting. But I want you to know that it's possible. It can be done. And I say that to help you. Because it can be done. You know, and praise be to the Lord. Because, you know, I I know people who were like very intelligent people. And, you know, they would have gone into the legal field. They would have gone into the medical field. And I mean, you know, sometimes people say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go into the legal field. They're they're, uh, like a lawyer and they're a really crummy lawyer. So it's like, you know, you shouldn't have gone to the legal field. You're, you're, You're crummy at that. So sometimes people go into the legal field, but they're like awesome, like world class pit bull lawyers. And, you know, they're awesome. 
And, but then they stop their operations. Why? To serve the Lord. Or they gun it in operations. Why? Because they want to support ministries. They want to bankroll the persecuted church. They want to provide funding for the persecuted church. It's so interesting what's happening, like with drones, what's happening with the persecuted church. You know, you have like a border of a town that's blockaded and you have like drones. People like what the Christians are doing there on like one side and they put Bible, they tie all these Bibles to these big balloons and they do the balloons up in the air. The balloons go up and then, you know, you have like they start they have these BB guns and they start shooting them down, shooting the balloons so that the Bibles fall down and all these people run. They grab their Bibles and then they scatter. Or they take these drones and they fly them from one side. They fly over the gate and then the drone comes down and drops off a bunch of Bibles. And they keep doing it over and over and over and over. It's like smuggling Bibles. I mean, it's very beautiful to see the persecuted church, how they're sustained by other churches, Christians. And then you have these wealthy people. They're professionals. And they, you know, they're doing good financially. And yes, they have their lifestyle. But then they're writing fat checks to churches, fat checks to uh, Christians, organizations. They don't care about, they're, they're just straight up writing it to an individual. Here, here's your money. Go and, you know, buy your Bibles, do this. They're not even doing it for tax purposes. They're doing it to support the work of the ministry. And they see their work, their job in the world as a ministry because they're able to earn this income where they can go and, you know, feed people. They can go and provide Bibles, buy the Bibles, pay for the staff, pay for, you know, pay for their provisions so they can be in another country to pay for, you know, their rent and buy shoes, buy clothes, you know, buy provisions so they can use those things to minister. One body with many parts. And I love how this is written here in verse 8. Oh, no one anything. Anything. Oh, nobody, anything. Because when you owe, there's strings attached. People always think of banks. You know, oh, I want to be debt-free. I want to be debt-free. Well, you're already in debt. You know, forget the bank. You're already in debt. Oh, no one, anything. It's better that way. You know, you're newlyweds. You're getting married. You know, my strong recommendation, you have your wedding gifts at the table. Cut it off right there. That's it. And you might even tell people, oh, thanks. You know, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, you know, no more. You know, somebody calls you, a family member calls you, hey, we want to give you this. No, thanks. Keep it. Give it to this guy. Give it to this lady. Donate it to the church. Donate it. Give it to Goodwill. Give it to Salvation Army. I don't want it. Because there's strings attached. You say, oh, you sound so hateful. Why you hate the family? You hate the family. I don't hate families. But I speak of a different family. I advocate a different family. Heirs of Abraham. In verse 8, owe no one anything except to love one another. That's the better debt. Remember, works is a debt, Romans 1. We learned that. Paul even says it. Works is a debt. And this is the better debt, to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Remember, love of God and then love of people. On these two hang all the law and all the prophets. In verse 9, for the commandments, for, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the better debt and works is a debt. 
chapter 1. Listen to our study in Romans 1. Love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest gift. 1 Corinthians 13. Love. In verse 10, love does no harm to, to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Very interesting. You know how Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law? You know what? You too can be fulfillment of the law. And it's not you, it's Christ in you. Remember, abide in Christ and I in you. You know, abide in me and I in you. That's what the Lord says. Abide in Christ and Christ in you. When that happens, you, you yourself are a fulfillment of the law because Christ is in you. In verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. Verse 11, and do this, and do this knowing the time, which is knowing to see and be aware of the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Me personally, I am very concerned for the church. Very, very, very concerned for the post-COVID church. Very concerned. You know why? Because people have been on spiritual vacation. Spiritual vacation. That's not good. It is not good for people to be on spiritual vacation. Say, oh yeah, church is shut down. Church is shut down. Cool. So it's Sunday. I can watch, you know, football. I can watch the sports. I can watch a movie. No church. No church. So look, we can do this stuff now. We can go here. You see? Churches are shutting down. No tithing. No tithing. Cool. Look, instead of tithing, we can do this now. And I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, never. I, I, we'll talk about tithings and offering when the Bible, when we get there in the Bible. But you know what? It's better to present yourself a living sacrifice. Present your body a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. That's my desire for you. Present your body a living sacrifice. But it's very dangerous. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read from... In Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, Matthew 12, verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. So this is a good thing. You read verse 43, the unclean spirit has exited a man. And it's nice. It's, it's beautiful. You see the work of the Lord. In verse 44, then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. And this translates as cleaned up and in order, uh, 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 or put in order. And then in verse 45, something interesting happens. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. 
And what's very interesting here is it's how this translates. It's to be on spiritual vacation. They enter and dwell in a place. It's like spiritual vacation. And that last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. And you know, it's very interesting that, you know, in this COVID environment that we are in with the government shutdowns and church closures, I'm seeing a lot of people on spiritual vacations. A lot of people on spiritual vacations. It's not good. If that's you, get right with the Lord. If that's you, you need to be on fire for the Lord again. You need to have the fire in your heart again. Because it's very dangerous not to be on fire for the Lord in these last days. Why? Because what goes on in the spirit realm, something that we don't see with our carnal eyes, but we can see it with our spiritual eyes. And a lot of people are on their spiritual vacations. And when that happens, this evil spirit, which is left, comes back with eight more spirits that are more wicked than himself. And the state of that person, the state of that person that's on spiritual vacation is worse than the first. And that's what I'm seeing. I'm very, very concerned for the church. Very concerned. It's not good. But all of this is build up for the spirit of the Antichrist or build up for the actual Antichrist. But the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well. Alive and well. It's a setup for Christians. Remember, the Christian, the Christian is the only one. Christians were the only ones who can positively ID the Antichrist. You say, oh, we're not going to be here, the rapture. Okay, I don't want to get into a rapture debate. So if you don't make the rapture, in accordance with that, if, if you don't make the rapture, pre or the tribulation saint. You're the only one who can positively ID the Antichrist. But I don't teach a pre-tribulation rapture. I don't teach a pre Just so you know, I, I, sometimes I catch people off guard, you know. People are like shocked, like what? Now, if that's you, if you're shocked right now, I do not want to jolt your faith. I do not want to rock the boat to where you're like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. But what I would like you to do after this message scroll you're gonna have to scroll for a while i don't know when it's about but you know scroll there's a message that's it's called like uh uh when is the rapture listen to that listen to that i urge you i desire you to listen to that not it's very important because and you have to have your bible with you have your bible open and follow along and to so when i say like you know i don't teach pre-tribulation people get, kind of get freaked out sometimes but and i don't want you to get freaked out but I don't teach pre-tribulation for a reason. And so listen to that message after this. But and so let's continue on. You know, so I, I think it's a big setup for the church. Setup for Christians. You know, close down the churches, close down. Keep the strip clubs open. That's fine. Keep, keep the uh, uh, marijuana dispensaries. Keep them open. Keep the uh, 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 liquor stores, liquor shops. Keep them open. That's fine. Oh, but the church? Nah, close them down, shut them down. You see, that's Antichrist spirit. That is Antichrist spirit right here in our midst. 
And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And Paul writes about this as preparation for the church in Rome in that generation under, under the hand of Rome, the Roman government. And for the church of our generation under the hand of whatever government you're under, wherever you are in the world. But I teach from America and our government is getting heavier handed. He says in verse 11, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Don't be don't go on your spiritual vacations. That's not good. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believe than when we first believed. The night is far spent. It's advancing. That's how it translates. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. See, you start to see build up for a fight, a fight. And verse 13, let us walk properly, translates as decently. Let us walk decently or properly as in the day, not in revelry. You see, revelry translates as rioting. Very interesting what we see in the world today. I mean, you know, in verse two, resist, resist, resist. That's what we see in the world today. Hashtag resist, hashtag resist. What does the Bible say? You know, those who resist will bring judgment upon on themselves. It's a setup. It's an antichrist setup for the Christian, the unsuspecting Christian that's on spiritual vacation, that's fallen asleep. In verse 13, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, not in rioting. What do you see on the streets? Rioting. It's a setup. And drunkenness translates as methe, intoxication. What do you see? Intoxication everywhere. Set up. Not in lewdness. You know what lewdness is here? It translates. It's bedchambering. It's the cohabitating. Bedchambering. It's kind of, it's old English. I meant the translation, old English. It's cohabitating. And the implication of sperm and conception. You know what this is? Unmarried people. Unmarried people. No marriage. No marriage bed. A guy and a girl. Implications of sperm and conception. It's called bed chambering. Two people playing house. Oh, that's so cute. Look, baby mama, baby papa. Oh, that's so cute. No, it's sinful. It's sinful. You see, get married. It's better to get married. I meant to please the Lord, to be pleasing to the Lord, to honor the Lord, but to exit from sin. You see? It's a setup. I mean, you look at this chapter 13, it's like, oh, government, I hate government, I hate government, oh, all this stuff. It's a setup. An antichrist setup for the church, an unsuspecting church. Satan's a fisherman. Don't ever, ever forget that Satan is a fisherman too. But you know what? You're wise. Wise as serpents and peaceful as doves. And you're a fisherman for Jesus Christ, son of the most high God. And we engage. We fight on our knees. So look at what we have here. You know, everybody's saying resist, resist, resist. What does the Bible say? Those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So that's a setup. 
Antichrist set up for the church, for the Christian. Don't walk, don't, no rioting. What do you see on the streets? Rioting. Okay, another setup. Drunkenness, methane, intoxication. What do you see? Drunkenness, intoxication, another setup. Not in lewdness, you know, pe two people playing house. Don't do that. What do you see? People playing house. Setup. You see, not in lewdness and lust. This word here for lust is uh, lascivious living. Filthy jargon, filthy talk. That's how it translates. I've been with Christian men before. I've been in locker room talks before. I mean, when, before I was a Christian. I've been in locker room talks before. Locker room jargon. And sometimes, you know, I look back on my times with, you know, a, a lot of Christian men. And the, the jargon was no different. I've had Christian men tell me that they should be in the pornography industry because what goes on in their mind, they can make a lot of money in producing these. Christian men. Poor wives. If they knew what their husbands were thinking about, if they knew what their husbands were talking about with Christian men. You see? And pastors. Laughing, oh yeah, oh, this is funny. Oh, you know what? I get a front row show, you know, when I'm standing at the pulpit, I get to see everything. Sick, disgusting people. Judgment comes first in the house of God. Judgment comes first in the house of God. Men, married men with children, with sons and daughters. Oh, yeah, I should be in the porn industry. I should be a producer in the porn industry because, man, I can make a lot of money. Stupid fools. Poor wives. Poor daughters. Poor sons. It's a setup. Spirit of Antichrist. Spirit of Antichrist is alive and well and on the move. And the Christian is unsuspecting, sound asleep. Sound asleep, watching football games, watching whatever on TV. Sound asleep. It's a setup. Don't be set up. Wake up. Not in strife and envy, he says in verse 13. Not in strife and envy. What do you see? Strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, which is put on is to sink into a garment. You ever see like a little kid with pajamas on? And this, you know, when I was a kid, I used to wear my dad's shirts as pajamas. And I used to swim in them, you know, like, oh, I love this big old shirt, you know. And it's so beautiful because it's like, wow, you know, I think about that when he says put on, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to sink into a garment. That's what I remember. It's like that sinking into a garment. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Make no a forethought or a, of care and supply. No provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. You see? Now before we end here, we're at the end of the chapter. But before we get there, or before we actually close, turn with me really quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, this is what Paul says to the church in Corinth in verse 24. Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but one receives the prize? 
run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, translates as self-control, in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, this is Paul speaking, therefore, I run thus. This is the manner in which I run. That's what he says. Not with uncertainty. Thus I fight. Not as one who beats the air. You see, a carnal person could look at the works of Paul and be like, why are you even doing this? You you don't even know that this is going to happen. But Paul, in the faith, a man of faith, a man of Christ, a man of God, says, this is how I run. It's not with uncertainty. He says, this is how I fight. Not as one who beats the air. He says in verse 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Whoa, that's heavy. But that's how we fight. That's how the Christian fights. That's how we run. No uncertainty. It's how we fight. Not like we're beating the air, but we're making contact. I mean, have you ever thrown a punch and you miss? (laughs) But you throw a punch and you make contact? I don't want to get violent. But when you throw a punch and you miss, I mean, you're kind of like, you know, bummed out, you know? But you throw a punch and you make contact? That's what Paul's writing about here. I don't fight like I'm punching the air. He fights spiritually. How does that happen? He disciplines his body and brings it into subjection. The most mighty warriors I have ever known, the best warriors I have ever known, carnal and non-carnal, were highly disciplined. Highly, highly disciplined. The same applies to you and me as Christians, as warriors of Christ. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. That's how we fight. Highly disciplined, trained warriors and also fishermen. Full armor of God, highly trained warriors, highly disciplined warriors, and we got a fishing pole in our hands. See, we got a fishing pole strapped to our back because we also got to carry a short sword and a shield. You see? That's how we run. That's how we fight. Yes, the days are evil. Yes, we have oppressive governments and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Now, if you're in China, you're in North Korea, somebody smuggled this mess and you're hearing my voice. You're like, "Well, you guys got it so good. You're not you don't have an oppressive government." I agree with you. This is nothing. I agree with you and I want you to know that we pray for you. But it's still, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. It's just going to get amped up for the entire world. And both Jew and Christian will be in the crosshairs. Led by the spirit of the Antichrist and led by the Antichrist himself. You see? Understand the times understand the times because we are living in perilous times nevertheless we equip ourselves with the word of god we train in the word of god and we learn 
and we apply and we fight. God bless you guys. Love you guys.